Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 376. And this week, of course, we don't have Laura Olympus still. still. You guys are going to get so tired of us saying that because it's going to be a while. I, I feel like we should have like a countdown, you know, 91 oh my more days until new content, that sort of thing. Gracious. Yeah, we may do that. Um, we also don't have Night Vale this week. And so the, we actually used this week as a chance to get caught up on some stuff that we've been needing to get caught up on. So first of all, going to talk about our favorite thing. We watched the second episode of the current season of Good Omens. And for some reason, I knew as soon as I found out that they were going to be dealing with the story of Job, that this was going to be a fantastic episode. Oh, it was so fun because it's like my favorite episode of the first season was definitely when you go through their friendship over time, like mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. the different stages and the different past environments and everything. This one starts out right in, you know, so many thousands of years B.C., I don't know why that's so fun, but it's really fun. It's just seeing them get to know each other and what they like and what they don't like. And just, uh, I I just, I loved all of it. And they they do such a good job. They do. And it was just, I mean, okay, so it starts with Crowley is about to rain down death and destruction. And Aziraphale comes in and tells him, no, you can't do that. This is Job. Everybody loves Job. God loves Job. And Crowley takes out like a a contract or something, I guess, that was signed that allows him to do that. And it was so hilarious because they're standing on a mountaintop and he unrolls it and you see like the parchment unspooling all over the mountain beyond them and circling all the way back around. It's just such a delightful little image. Oh my gosh, that is like... There was something about the way that was animated that it was just like a particular type of really kooky, slightly scary sort of British animation. I was just, I actually rewound it to watch it again. Because I'm like, oh, that was so, such a subtle touch, but really well done. And I love that they address the book of Job in the fact that it's a horrible story. I mean, I I have talked to priests who have confirmed nobody likes the book of Job because it is just like anti everything that you're supposed to understand about God, the idea that God would make a bet with the devil and kill everything that he owns, including his children, which I mean, the story ends with, you know, God deciding to give back Job more than what he had before, but you don't restore the children that you killed. And yeah. that always seemed really rough to me. Yeah, I, it took, I, I mean, I somehow missed the story of Job until like long after I graduated college. And I remember having that moment when I'm like, really, this was all just to like test him. And they didn't give him his kids back. And they were just horrible, horrible. It just, yeah, it's not, it's not fun. But I like how, um, you know, Aziraphale is sure that this isn't right. And Crowley's like, no, nah, I've, I've got it all right here. And Aziraphale says, well, you can't do that. He said, oh, well, let's, let's try. Maybe I'm a demon. Maybe I'm lying. And he just, these little explosions go off all over the area, blowing up all these goats all over the place. And here's the thing. I didn't notice it at first. But now that I remember it, you see all these goats like gulp and puffs of smoke. And then all these birds are flying around. And I just assumed they were all, like, disturbed by the explosions. Yes, because, I mean, okay, so Aziraphale has to go up to heaven and interrogates the angels about this. And the angels don't understand what the problem is, because God has said that this needs to happen, and God's going to give them, like, seven new children 
which <laughs> Aziraphale is like, I don't know if you know about how human birth works, but nobody really wants to give birth to seven children, especially with the way medicine is now. And Gabriel is just like, I was there at the first birth. I was there when Eve was created. Yeah. And that comes into play later on. Yeah, that threw me because when he first said that, in my mind, I thought that he was there when Eve gave birth. And it's like, no, he's talking about when Eve was created from Adam. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense. So Aziraphale tries to stop Crowley from slaughtering Job's children, who are next on the list of things to be destroyed. And he he tells Crowley, I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that you actually want to do this. And Crowley does. And David Tennant does an amazing job of being mm. terrifying here because he tells Aziraphale, yes, he wants to do this. He loves doing this. This is who he is. He's a demon. And he starts marching to the house. And then Aziraphale notices that the crows are all bleeding like goats. <laughs> <laughs> and David Tennant just does a great, like, I don't know, his face just expresses all this emotion. And you see Aziraphale make this little gesture and all the birds suddenly become goats and everything. And it's just, he's so smug and it's wonderful because Crowley's <laughs> basically like, shut up. But yeah, they they come into where the kids are and the kids walk in. And it's an interesting dynamic because the kids are aware of angels because I guess Job is so popular with God, he sends angels to bring them wine. And like the oldest son is being very sassy about you. Well, you should go back and go get the wine and everything. And Crowley turns him into a newt. <laughs> he actually turns the oldest son and the oldest daughter into newt. And the youngest daughter is thrilled. She thinks that's the coolest thing ever. And she wants to know if she can be a blue one. And Crowley says, no, you haven't annoyed me yet. And she says, yeah, but can you? And you're like, Oh, okay. And he turns into a blue newt. <laughs> so now they're downstairs. This is, you know, they had done a whole thing where he had seemingly set the walls on fire. Then they all drop into the basement and he turns them into newts, you know, because he's annoyed with them, whatever. But they need to stay down there, Aziraphale and Crowley, while God sends like these winds to smite the area and whatever. So they're basically hiding out. And Crowley pours some wine and wants to give it to Aziraphale. And Aziraphale's never drunk wine in his life. He's not going to do that. It's alcohol. And so Crowley offers him some, I guess it's, what is it, mutton or, or bison or something? I don't something. know. Something, yeah, it's basically cooked meat that's there. And he says, well, try some of this. And Aziraphale's like, are you tempting me? And Crowley's like, no, of course not. He's totally tempting him. Aziraphale takes a bite and oh my goodness, because next thing you know, Aziraphale is like face down in this cooked meat, just eating all of it while Crowley sits off to the side and smugly drinks. <laughs> now, meanwhile, all of this, you know, we're seeing all this as flashbacks. So it feels like the main part of the storyline kind of got a little bit left behind. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. one of the things to remember is that, okay, so Aziraphale hears... Gabriel, who is now known as Jim, is humming yes. something to himself. And Aziraphale goes across the street to the record store to find out what the song is. And the record shop owner identifies it as Buddy Holly. I think it's Buddy Holly's song every day. So. Yeah. 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 Which she says she has way too many copies of that record because there is a bar in Scotland that no matter what they put in the jukebox, eventually the record will turn into the Buddy Holly song. Da -da 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 
which I hadn't, you because you had told me that I really needed to listen to the song at the end of the first episode because it was yes. the theme song and it was all the angels singing. And of course, yes. that's beautiful. But midway through the song, it morphs into an angelic version of that song. Which I completely missed the first time I heard it because, you know, if you know the theme song, it's kind of this great bombastic minor key. And then for just a little while, it changes to this nice lyrical major key, sort of like angelic song before it goes back to the bombastic and everything. Well, that's the point where it morphs into the Buddy Holly thing. So instead of doing what it's always done before, it's doing Buddy Holly now. And I, I completely missed it both times, both at the end of the first episode and the second episode until you pointed it out. So, yeah. And I think the, the episode ends with Aziraphale telling Crowley that he's going to take Crowley's car to drive to Scotland. And oh. I mean... Crowley is being so terrifying about saying, no, actually, you're not. I'm kind of surprised that Aziraphale was just pushing ahead with, no, it'll be fine. I, I guess. I don't know. It's, I kind of get the idea that what they're sort of saying is like, Crowley just can't tell Aziraphale no. <laughs> so he comes back from the record store. Now, one thing he had done at the record store was he had talked to the woman who runs the store who is in love with the coffee shop owner and she bursts into tears of course because everything went horrible the night before she's in love with the coffee shop woman but the woman kind of she thinks she hates her and the woman already has like a partner and Aziraphale is you know he really doesn't know how to handle all this but he says he's going to get back to her on that one so he's heading back towards the bookstore and he sees that the angelic people who are looking for Gabriel are marching towards the store and he comes running in there and tries to block them and Gabriel comes out and you think oh no the jig is up none of them recognize him so the spell that he and Crowley set actually did really work the problem is they know that somebody set off a miracle in the bookstore and Aziraphale actually comes up with a pretty good excuse for what happened. Yeah, he tells the angels that he caused the coffee shop owner to be in love with the record store owner. That was his mm. tiny little miracle. So now the angels are going to have to come back and check up on that to verify his story. And they're being yes. very threatening the whole time. And meanwhile, Gabriel is just like fluttering around, like offering books, you know, just because it's a bookstore and he's supposed to sell books. But he talks about the fact that you could take two of them and use them as a like swatter. So, and but they I mean, he's talking to them, they can see him the entire time. They just do not recognize him as Gabriel. Yep. yep and and yep. I love I mean, John Ham, everybody always looks like they're having so much fun on this show. But John Ham especially sounds like he's just having a blast being oh, this this kooky character either when he's playing Gabriel who doesn't understand human emotions at all or Jim who really doesn't seem to understand everything, but he's so enthusiastic. But oh, I just I so loved cute. I loved how he delivered that line when the angels stomp out and Aziraphale just kind of gasping for breath and Gabriel just turns to Aziraphale, they seem nice. And I don't know why that delivery worked so well. <laughs> and my goodness, there are so many subtle things. And I'm sure I've I miss things all the time because the show is packed full of visuals and things going on. So I, multiple watches will probably see more things. But I love the fact that Jim has decided that he's going to be helpful and he's going to alphabetically organize all of the books in the bookstore. He's going to organize them by the first letter of the first line in the book, which is horrible idea. But at this point, Aziraphale's like, yes, fine, whatever. And so he's going through all these different, like, you know, it was a dark and stormy night. Ah, that's with the eyes and everything. And he opens a book at one point and it says, in the beginning... 
it was a nice day. All the days were nice in the beginning. I'm like, oh my God, it's the first page of the actual Good Omens book. Holy cow. <laughs> so wonderfully meta. Oh, that was just brilliant. Oh, and we did get one little other tidbit, which was um, Crowley tried to like terrify Jim into remembering who he is or remembering something about what the heck situation he is. And that's when Gabriel just like, gets almost zombified expression and makes this quote about, I can't remember exactly what the quote was. It's from the book of Job. Oh. But, you know, Gabriel then just like stops himself, says, I can't, I can't remember. And Crowley's like, yeah, you were remembering. He said, no, I can't. This head isn't big enough to remember this. And like, oh, yeah, because yeah, he's fully a human now and he can't remember things the way an angel would or his head would probably explode. Now, at one point, Aziraphale does say something because Aziraphale's remembering how awful Gabriel was during the whole Job situation and uh, because he just doesn't get it, just doesn't get it. And Aziraphale is talking to Jim and said something like, you know, I'm just remembering, you know, you used to be really horrible, just really horrible. And Jim's like, am I horrible now? And I think Aziraphale's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And so that made me wonder, I mean, we still have no idea why Gabriel is like this right now. No, because it doesn't, seem to, it doesn't seem to be anything that either heaven or hell has put into motion because all of them are getting like Gabriel has disappeared as sort of like brand new news. So nobody yeah. knows what caused it. So wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, both in the previous season and this season, I mean, Gabriel really is horrible. I mean, he's just, he's joyless and smug and cares not a whit for anybody. And it would be just really interesting if this would be something that he did to himself. Ooh, that's true, actually, yeah. So meanwhile, we go back into the flashback and we did see Aziraphale and Crowley talking at one point. Well, Aziraphale has his face and all the cooked meat and everything. And I don't know, they're, they're talking about whose side everybody's on. And Aziraphale's kind of asking Crowley, like, I don't know, why are you on Hell's side? Because clearly Crowley doesn't, he didn't even want to kill the goats. And he certainly doesn't want to kill the kids. So Aziraphale can't understand. And I think Crowley says something like, I'm on Hell's side as much as I can. And Aziraphale asks him, that sounds kind of lonely. And Crowley's like, no, 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 no. Anyway. So we do see Job at one point talking to God, which God has a woman's voice, which I think is... That's Francis McDormand, which yeah, is a wonderful choice. So. Fantastic, yes. And it is a lot of stuff that was from the book of Job, which was... Okay, now the best explanation I've heard for why the book of Job is in existence is that it's kind of an illustration of all the ways that it's not healthy to think about a relationship with God. Like, you know, the people walking up to somebody who's experienced the absolute worst trauma and telling them, well, obviously you did something to deserve this, or your parents sure. did something to deserve this, and it's being visited on you. It's right. also not great to tell people you should just give up on God because obviously he's not worth it if you let this happen. And then sure. also the whole, you know, telling God, why would you do this? I did everything right. This whole idea, mm -hmm. like if you're a very good person, that means it's a bargain with God that nothing will ever bad will ever happen to you. And that's yeah. obviously not true. So it does seem to be a very complicated um bad things happen to good people kind of thing. But sure. also you can turn it around and say, this is why the prosperity gospel is such a horrible thing. The idea that if right. you have 
tons and tons of money and influence and power and, you know, beautiful women throwing themselves at you. That means God likes you more. Sure. I always wondered if it was kind of like one of those Old Testament things. Probably. Oh my God, yes. Setting floods onto people and I don't know, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth and God being a little capricious and everything. And I know that's why we have the New Testament because I don't know, God can change and grow. I don't know. I, I don't. Please don't let me get hit with a lightning bolt. Anyway. Yeah, I haven't read all of the Apocrypha, the stuff that was like with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but wasn't actually included in the official Bible. I feel like you could yeah. probably find a lot of that sort of thing in there. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's he's talking to God. And uh, you even see Crowley and Aziraphale kind of watching this. I don't, they both seem a little stunned, I guess, because I don't think they get to communicate directly with God hardly at all. Probably is, not, no. Yeah, honestly, Neil Gaiman, he did that with like Lucifer a bunch of times too, didn't he? I mean, God just doesn't talk to Lucifer, you know? I don't, God, always... I, in the Lucifer um, graphic novel series, God really didn't talk to anybody. I mean, the Gabriel oh, yeah. character was pretty much interpreting what he thought God wanted based on what he imagined God liked, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So they're watching this happen, and Joe basically comes staggering back inside. They have no idea what's happened to their kids at this point. His wife is asking. He says, I don't know. And God's talking about whales and something, and basically, like, I can ask questions as soon as I figure out how to make a whale. He's just... <laughs> but that's the moment when the angels, the angel, you know, Gabriel and his whole crew and everything, come down to tell him, ah, you've passed the test. And meanwhile, Job and his wife are standing there stunned still with no idea what's happened to their children. And they're like, we will give you, for the 300 sheep and goats that you lost, we will give you 700. Yay! And like, what about our children? Yeah, all the, all the angels are like giving this little golf clap every time he announces what they're going to get in return for losing everything. Yeah. And I think at some point in the middle of all that, Gabriel does manage to say, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, and, you know, in return for killing your children. And they're like, what? He's like, we'll give you seven new ones. So they're traumatized, absolutely traumatized. And that, I believe, is the point when Crowley comes running in. Yeah, and Crowley had introduced himself before, but... I, he, he like tried to talk to uh, Job's wife and she wasn't having it or she wanted to know who he was. And he was like, I don't know, who do you think I am? And does some kind of demon spell. And she identifies him as a shoeite, which she thought was a, sure. like a shoemaker or something. But that was, yeah, that was a regional thing, not a profession. But anyway, right. but right. So between, I, they're obviously making this up as they go along, but between hints from Aziraphale and Crowley just going with it, they decide that he is going to help birth three new children for Job right there, because that's what his specialty is. So because Aziraphale tells Crowley that Gabriel was present at the first birth of Eve, hint, hint, and that right. starts, oh, yeah, this is perfect. Yep, yep. He has them, I don't know, they they like embrace. He's telling them to embrace. He's like, now reach in and pull out three of Job's ribs. And they're like, what? <laughs> you actually see her like slowly drag some ribs out. It's not gross and gory. She's just pulling ribs out of his clothes, basically. But yeah, and so then he's like, and now embrace again. And now, and you see like a pot that has the three newts in it that he's like, like somehow snuck in between them and they cast a spell and the three children appear. Yes. <laughs> it's like completely unharmed, but it's definitely the same three children, which the angels notice. Yeah. And 
Aziraphale and Crowley are trying to backpedal and be like, oh, it's a miracle. They look so much like your children. And they have the same name and everything. Now, Job is way slower in the uptake. His wife is definitely like, no, no, our three new children. And even like the oldest son doesn't get it. So of course the angels are all suspicious and they turn on Aziraphale and they're just like, are these or are these not new children? And Aziraphale says, yes, they're new. You have my word as an angel. And there's this long pause. Well, John Hamm with this perfect like look of rage on his face. And then he smiles and said, well, that's all you needed to say. Yeah, totally oblivious. Although he's pretty oblivious. The other two angels still look suspicious. So he's definitely not the smartest out of the whole bunch. He just happens to be in charge. But yeah, um, so I, I there was a moment on like at the edge of a sea somewhere and Aziraphale is just oh he, he's so shell-shocked and Crowley comes walking up and Aziraphale's like oh I should have known they would send you after me all right I'm ready to go and he's like go where he said to hell you're you're here to take me to hell and Crowley's like I'm not here to take you to hell and he says why and he's like because I don't think you'd like it <laughs> Because Aziraphale thinks he's a demon now because he lied to angels to thwart the will of God. And uh, Crowley just says, well, I won't tell anybody. Oh, every time (laughs) you see Crowley give Aziraphale like a little smile, I I just love every, not like a smug smile, um, not even like a cackling happy smile, just like a little like slightly delighted smile. Like I remember back in the first season when they had the story about the two of them over their relationship over time and everything and he meets up with them at a bar at one point and he's telling him like, oh, you know, you should really, can I tempt you to come and get some of this food here? And Crowley kind of looks at him, gives him this little smile and everything and I'm like, it's so cute. <laughs> but I mean... It's not an entirely happy ending because Aziraphale doesn't know whose side he's on anymore. And Crowley says, well, you can just be on. I think he tells him you can be on your own side. And No, he says you can, something like you can be on your own side, but also like you can be on heaven's side as much as you can, which is exactly the same mm-hmm. thing that Crowley said about being in hell. And Aziraphale says that really, you had said that wasn't lonely. Mm-hmm. And Crowley says, well, I'm a demon. I lied. It's just, and that was how it ended with the two of them sitting by the ocean. And it's just, ah, it was a good episode. It was was an excellent episode. That's one of my favorites so far. Yeah. So anyway, that's where we are. Um, What we still have to find out, like Crowley had briefly talked to the coffee shop owner woman who is definitely, I mean, has absolutely no interest in the record store woman as far as we know though maybe it's a little bit of i don't know doth protest too much and everything so i don't know but yeah there was a a very fun bit because they're trying to figure out ways that they can make the two of them fall in love without actually doing a miracle because aziraphale even says something to crowley at one point about how miracles don't work that way he just he cannot make her fall in love with her but maybe there's a way they can convince them they're talking about oh we'll make a sudden rainstorm and they'll you know be under an umbrella together and lock eyes and Aziraphale's like I don't know and he's like nah get humans wet together and everything happens (laughs) but then (laughs) you've got Aziraphale talking about oh well I mean like Jane Austen and Crowley says something like yeah the spy and provocateur and all this kind of like you know terrible stuff and everything and Aziraphale says no the, the writer the author and Crowley's like what? 
novelist? What? She wrote novels as well? And (laughs) they get back to the bookstore and you see Crowley pick a book off the shelf and open it up to Jane Austen. He's like, what? I just, I can never get the hang of you people. He's just so fun. I do have to wonder if there was even a little kernel of truth about that, because apparently Jane Austen was a bit of a wild child, I think, Mm -hmm. or at least as far as, you know, having a career and writing novels and sort of things. It'd be funny if she was also like, was it a sherry smuggler or something? Something. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, just this whole other career and all this stuff that she did. And Crowley had no idea that she also wrote novels. Like, that's delightful. <laughs> so that's it for Good Omens for the week. So now you got caught up on two more episodes of Mandalorian? Two more episodes of Mandalorian. Um, episode three mostly took place on Coruscant, Ooh. which is great. Anything about that. I was introduced to a new word, ecumenopolis. Oh. which is a city that is the size of a planet. Oh, so wow. 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 All of Coruscant is one city. And there's one little, you really do need to watch these episodes because there's one little element that they introduce about what that looks like when it's an entire city over a planet that I just, mm. I thought it was just a delightful little touch. And then, you know, all sorts of things like two of the characters walking along the city street, you know, seeing someone do a magic act by pulling a dragon out of a hat. And they're like eating popsicles that are glowing. I mean, all these little details, like what mass transit looks like on Coruscant. And I love stuff like that. You know, what does it mean when people who were with the Empire, like highly placed in the Empire, suddenly become part of the new government, that kind of thing. And just, it was... It's what I want out of these series. I want to see more of this universe that was created for Star Wars. We yeah. don't have to have the same five characters all the time. So, and this was this was two characters that we haven't seen a whole lot of, and they had the entire episode to themselves. So, I wow. thought that was great. Now, episode four was more on all of the Mandalorians and they have to do a rescue on this like desert planet and you have an aerial fight with jetpacks and it's all just so cool from beginning to end <laughs> I thought such a great touch and you have more of Grogu and we're getting flashbacks from where Grogu was before he you know met up with the Mandalorian and what his oh, history wow. looks like and I'm Ooh. looking forward to seeing more of that as well Nice. I mean, I, I can never get enough of Grogu. That just the character design that they did with that little guy is just <laughs> I, He can do force leaps now, and I'm still oh, not 100% sure I'm down with the effect, because it really does look like somebody has taken a puppet and thrown it into the air, which is probably exactly <laughs> yeah. what happened. But still, it's it's adorable. It's cool. If somebody was doing, a, there was a flashback where somebody was doing a lightsaber fight with a lightsaber in each hand, mm-hmm. and that will never not be cool. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, all of that, please. Yes. So to sort of go sideways in the Marvel Star Wars universe, I actually got caught up in something that I'd been meaning to watch for a while because I heard it was important to the story. Out of nowhere, I know it's freaking August. I decided to watch the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special from last year. And? It is very silly. It's really <laughs> silly. Now, it does stop short of being the type of silly that will drive us out of the room. And okay, I that's think, good. Yeah, I think what it is is the story is mainly focused on Mantis and Drax, and mm-hmm. those two characters are very silly all the time. So yes. The thing that usually gets me is when you have normally serious characters and they're being drawn into the goofiness, and then I'm just like, oh, it's secondhand embarrassment and I can't take it. So yes, it is extremely goofy. It's very silly. There are three songs in it, which is probably about two songs more than I needed, but... Um, 
it is, it's not bad. The production values are super high. You know, this is still a Marvel production and everything. It's a fun story. It's very earnest. It's extremely <laughs> earnest. Dear. Um, but yeah, in the end, I, I, I'm not going to say it's definitely not bad. And it's not, it wasn't badly made and everything. I'm just saying it's, it's not really something that's really down your and my alley. Like, I was never the person who needed the tonight on a very special episode of blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't need the holiday episodes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the one piece of information, I remember Hugh, our movie reviewer, who, by the way, loved this movie, which, of course, he did. Uh, he said that there was actual character building for the character of Mantis, very mm-hmm. important. And I was very curious about what that was. Turns out they tell you within the first five minutes of the movie. Oh. She is Peter Quill's half-sister. Okay, because I saw that spoiled for me on Twitter at one point, And I ah. wasn't sure if this was going to be like the big overarching reveal of the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I'm glad right. to know it was something that they threw in in the holiday special. That's fine. Yeah, though it's funny... I had the feeling, and maybe some of our listeners can clue me in, so it starts with everybody there on the the nowhere, you know, the thing that's a, the giant floating space city that's made out of the head of a celestial, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently the Guardians of the Galaxy bought that. They technically run it now. And then we also had the character of the space dog, which I'm sorry, I can't remember the space dog's name. Very cute. Super well done and everything. But... Both of those things, they felt like something that we should have already been familiar with. And those weren't brought up. Like, the last time we saw the Guardians of the Galaxy was Endgame. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe there was, like, in one of the animated things, there was something in there that clued us into that. Oh, you mean the, like, uh, the what if? Or maybe. I don't, I didn't, I I mean, I figured maybe not. But The holiday special comes before um, the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? Right. Which was the whole reason why I watched it, because I really want to watch the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie by... I was about to say, I hear that's good. Well, he really liked it, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it could be good. It's certainly not going to be awful, because he'll definitely call it out when it's awful. But um, yeah, it was interesting. I'll have to go and check out the trivia and see where this falls, because it just, it's not that... It's, it's not that I couldn't figure out what was happening. There was enough in exposition to let me figure it out. But it really did have this feeling like, oh, did I miss like a half a chapter someplace? I feel like I missed a half a chapter someplace. I have noticed sometimes the Marvel movies will include stuff that was part of the comic book. And like oh. with the assumption that, of course, everybody who is watching this movie must love the series. So you've read the comics, right? right. And, you know, I've never read the comics. No, no, no. But anyway, that was it. There's no... I don't know. There's no other Easter eggs in there. Um, it has a pretty funny um, guest actor on there, but I won't give that away for anybody who really wants to go and watch it because I was very surprised. Um, I didn't expect that they would want to be part of the Marvel Universe, but okay. And yeah, so yeah, it was perfectly fine. If you really need a bit of Christmas spirit, the Christmas decorations that they do, I mean, imagine an entire like space planet that's been decorated up for Christmas at one point. They had a budget for the decorations. They very good. <laughs> But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. No, I haven't finished editing that uh, San Diego Comic-Con video yet. However, I have been taking a tutorial in Adobe Premiere, and I just learned some really crazy interesting stuff. So maybe that'll make it easier for me to do the edit when I finally get around to it. (laughs) All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week we will have a Night Vale episode. We will indeed, yes. And I still need to 
think about getting tickets for the next show because I'm almost positive Night Vale's coming to Durham again nice. for their live show. I'm almost positive it's not coming to San Diego. But so. I believe it's going to Los Angeles, and I understand you don't do Los Angeles. Not, not unless I, not if I can help it. You know, maybe there's a convention <laughs> going on sometimes. I don't know, but yeah, you'll just have to tell me all about it on the podcast. Yay! Yay. We will probably watch some more Good Omens and. I don't know, more Mandalorian. Maybe I'll actually catch up on some other Marvel stuff. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. Suddenly, Aziraphale... Now, did I, I... I need to start again, because I think I may have said Crowley and Aziraphale, like, mixed up the two names. I don't know. Shit. Yeah, I keep doing that. Yeah. Let, let yeah. me try that again. Yeah. yeah. And Aziraphale... Hang on a second. Car. They were playing their radio, too, so I'm going to give it a second. <laughs> You know, it doesn't, miracles don't work that way. I can't make somebody fall. You know what I'm saying? Car.